Hey, Julia. Hey, Sam. Who are we talking to today? Today, we are talking to actor, writer, and director Rachel Flynn. That's so exciting. You know what else is exciting? What? That feeling when you log on to iTunes, or I guess just open it, and you navigate to like the podcast section, and you give this podcast that you're listening to a review and a rating. That sounds really exciting. I think everyone listening should try it. I agree. Either way, we hope you enjoy the episode. Well, I'm kind of curious. So you said you've been back in town just for a couple days. Got back in Monday. From a regional gig. Yeah. At the Alliance, right? I was at the Alliance in Atlanta, yeah. So I guess what I'm... I'm I'm always curious, like, when I come back from out of town, like, that process of, like, getting back into it. Reacclimation. Yeah, like, do you feel like you have a handle on that or... No! Like, of course not! And I think that that's where it lives for me is it's the most that I, um... It's the most that I kind of feel the resonances of freelancerdom is when I'm wandering around the city. And, like, as silly as it sounds, like, when I'm here, I get in my kind of habits mode. So, like you know I check my day planner in the morning and I know what I'm doing and I have my sense of like what my week looks like and when I get back is like there is no week yet I'm not right. working on anything yeah. so I vaguely am aware it's a weekend versus a weekday but like sure did spend Friday not you know I wasn't at an audition I wasn't like getting back into anything I was just sort of like wandering around New York trying <laughs> to put it back on you yeah, know yeah um um which is great because the freedom of that is really lovely. Like yeah. getting to get rid of the like eight show a week, which is its own sort of, obviously its own structure, but but um, imposes its own kind of mental and emotional structure yeah. on what your day looks like. Um, always putting that down is a nice thing. It feels like vacation, but yeah. then the panic sets in so right. quickly. It's like, like how three long hours is that of enjoyment. Vacation, um, <laughs> how long does that vacation feel good until you're like, wait, what's the next thing? For me, it gets shorter and shorter, which yeah. has been an important thing to clock yeah. um, because I don't, this is a very intense sentence, but it's like a thing that I was talking about with one of my collaborators yesterday is that I don't want to keep doing this and making and making the connections like oh that sounds like I need a drug right like that like I I don't want to feel junkie-ish about like okay what's Mm. the next thing what's the next like that's no fun Mm -hmm. um it has been definitely getting shorter I got back on Monday and I think also time of year and what's going on helps feed into that insecurity and panic um it's obviously a very it's a very busy season for you know, on the TV side of things, there's pilots, but also like in theater, like a million press releases are coming out Mm -hmm. and this is what the rest of the season's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Also as creators, like it's grant and fellowship application season. Mm -hmm. And it's like, come join our workshop and our writer's retreat season. So it starts to feel like if you're not doing the things you're missing your window, which is no good. That's a bad place to live, I think. But here I am, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. For, for me. Um, so I think that part of, this week has been about also like what am I excited about that exists outside of those spheres? Oh, interesting. Okay. What so, are you excited yeah. about outside those spheres? It's so I don't know if it's this doesn't count as outside of their spheres, but um, sometimes it's watching garbage. Sometimes it's watching real not not garbage, but like things that I have no like oh this is the height right. Um, and also I joined a kickball league, so you know oh, I'm figuring cool. out the things. Yeah. Um, 
I can't stop watching. This is not garbage. I can't stop watching The Magicians on Sci-Fi. Interesting. It, did you read it, the books? I did read the books. I read them after I started the TV show, with uh, uh, which I think a lot of my friends are not thrilled about. But I, would, I love them both. I love them both. I don't know anything about anything. Oh, so of you'd this. like them actually? Oh, okay. So The Magicians is it's a really fun series. I think my friend first described it to me as like. Harry Potter, but like, you know, in college doing real teen things. Yeah. Oh. It's kind of like grad school Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. For sure. <laughs> but, it, it, and and the books are delightful. The books are delightful. Full stop. There's definitely like... it. I think that like, A, the books are delightful, but to me, there's like a moodiness or a heaviness. Like, I've read actually only the first two books in the series. Mm-hmm. And after I finished both of them, I felt like a little like down yes well they're not not about depression in a lot of ways they're not Mm. not about mental illness and and that's kind of one of the loveliest things is there's a very you know troubled young man who's the protagonist of course because it's a it's a very male series in a lot of ways yeah uh, which i will say the tv show is it has is decidedly not which has been great mm. cool. um or is but is just a little bit more it, it opens the umbrella a little bit um and kind of one of the loveliest things is he discovers he is in fact uh magic and it doesn't get happy and then discovers mm. that the world he always loved that's sort of like the the narnia analog exists and is real and he goes there and is not happy Mm. and so it's actually a a really lovely thing about him kind of digging into his own depression and his own um uh demons and also that his friend group are not waiting on his happiness that this is just like Mm. it's sort of the eeyore effect of like he's allowed to also just like be a human with depression and also he's saving the world so that i can't imagine why i'm clinging to that right now (laughs) in the middle of winter in new york between jobs but um but the tv show is um hyper fun it started hyper campy it's on sci-fi so they have enough people watching the first seven episodes of it maybe Mm -hmm. i was yep (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I should go back to it. I I really recommend it because I am having so much fun. Enough people are watching that they're obviously still on the air, but not so many that they're beholden to anything. Mm. So they've mm. been able to like do amazing things with the storyline. It's incredibly feminist. It's incredibly smart and fun and campy. It's very queer. Like it's it's delightful. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Um, that's what I'm doing. And it, and I think that that's kind of where the the height of my TV aspirations are is being on a show successful enough that nobody cancels it, but not so successful they can't do the weirdest stuff uh-huh. on television. Hmm. Uh-huh. That's the goal uh-huh. I've decided. Interesting. So. You think even like I can imagine like in a writer's room, mm-hmm. I would you know the presence or absence of those constraints I would feel really strongly. But do you think even on like performer side, that sort of trickles down? I, I think it does by virtue of what they decide in the writer's room. That's yeah, true. like That's the things true. are so. Um, they're just getting to do really fun stuff. That is the stuff that I envy very, very much because I, I think that, you know, it's a cliche, but I think that a lot of really good storytelling is happening in TV right now, um, which can sometimes look a little grass is greener when you're working in theater primarily. <laughs> but, um, but when you see people who don't who don't look like they hustled for the space and didn't have to, you know, go through six years of development to put mm. up the fun episode with the lesbian vampires then like yeah that like obviously looks appealing and I think trickles down to everybody involved so how much do you feel that so you 
have been for a while now acting as director on Dustin Shadow, the <laughs> show that Dustin and Jonathan are working on. Yeah. How much do you feel the presence of like, like those kind of constraints as you guys like develop that show? Uh, all of the time. All of the time. I think that development. A bummer about development if you don't have like a wonderful resource of money somewhere just helping you out <laughs> is that it's it feels to me this is all again kind of bleak sounding but like uh it's many years of hustle and trying to get the resources together shot through with a couple weeks at a time of getting to do the thing which is the fun part <laughs> so yeah we're feeling it all the time we've been really lucky with dust and shadow and that it's moving forward and that there's been interest there that we have some of these financial resources but even so i'm the director on it which I love but we all know that the you end up wearing a lot of hats when you're creating new stuff and I haven't gotten to direct the show in eight months I've been taking the meetings and trying to get the money and doing all the producer hat stuff since we finished our last reading so um, I love the show and that keeps you going as you move on to the next time you get to be in the room but I haven't been in the room for that show in a long time yeah. um, so I think navigating the the drain on that is one of the most important parts of the process because it's so many years right it's yeah. so many years um, so you have to love the, the days in the room so much that it kind of sustains <laughs> you to the next time you get to do it does That's that so true does that make sense yeah I, don't, yeah. I guess I'm curious because like I've only been in that process, like on the acting side. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, I'm not doing, I'm not have taking those meetings trying to, you know what I mean? Like that's what the writers and directors are doing. And yeah. I'm just like hoping that they invite me back into the room the next time there is a room. Right? Which is its own sort of waiting. Yeah. Hell. Like I'm certain. Yes. But I guess <laughs> what I'm curious about hearing about, like when you take those meetings and try to like, I guess try to pitch the show to other mm -hmm. theater companies or producers Theaters or whatever. And investors and yeah, yeah. Um, is how is there any element of that of people being like yeah i'm interested in this i wonder what would happen if you took it in this direction like does that happen does that kind of thing happen all the time i i mean i don't i don't want to speak for it. you you certainly probably have your own thoughts on this but it feels like it happens all the time yeah yeah and so like i guess um what i'm curious about is like how much how mu how much do you do you take that in in order to like capitalize on this opportunity you might be given versus like staying true to what you think the show is about versus like maybe giving room for the fact that they might also know what the show is about you yeah. know what I mean like yeah it's all of the it's all yeah. of those things it's yeah. like the marriage of it is absolutely the marriage of all those things I think one of the best meetings we ever took because this is not my first rodeo as a director it is my first rodeo with something of this um size mm -hmm. just sheer size and numbers um which has been a trip so there it's nice that there are aspects of it that you're like oh god this is the same whether you're doing an undergrad black box production mm, yeah. of the maids or <laughs> you're doing you know you're trying to pitch a 30 cast you know 22 orchestra you know 22 pit show regionally like it's it's the same conversation in a lot of ways um but one of the best meetings that I feel like I've gotten to take, we took a bunch of meetings after a concert presentation of the Sherlock show. And the very first one was a group of producers who were very excited about it, which is cool. It's always yeah. very gratifying. You're like, Oh, I guess we have something <laughs> it, that there, that validation is also important, right? It gets oh, yeah. you to the next step. Like yeah. it's ego, but it's, 
ego required to replenish your gas tank a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'll never, we still reference it in meetings, but the first thing that one of them said was, it's a great show. Obviously it needs to be a lot more steampunk. <laughs> it was like, uh, obvious, obviously it needs to be a lot more steampunk. And I went, um, excuse me. And she went, well, yes. I mean, we're putting, we're obviously putting, you put Sherlock in a lot more eyeliner and you've got the show. And it's like, I, for those, for those of you unfamiliar with our show, it couldn't be any less steampunk for <laughs> sure. It is technically Victorian. So I guess there's an overlap there if you're purely looking at aesthetics, but not really. Um, and, that was great too because they wanted it to they thought it was a very licensable thing they were like let's mm. open it badly in new york in like a small space get the i remember i'll never forget she said get the new york on it and she like rubbed she like did like a rubbing motion she was like you get the new york on it and then you can wow. license it anywhere and it wasn't gross she was like that was like a legitimate yeah. business plan she yeah. had for mm -hmm. it but i remember thinking oh that's a absolutely reasonable set of things for somebody else's show yeah mm -hmm. um and I think that navigating that is, has been the hard part because they're not all that clear of like, right. that is not our show. Exactly. Some of the things they say are like, is, is that our show? Yeah. And that helps the discussion because it opens it up to more people. And I haven't seen too many, it was a big statement. Mm. I haven't seen too many shows ruined by too many cooks just like, uh, in this part of the process. Sure. Like, opinions are not a bad thing to get at this yeah. point. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause if you get 35 people to tell you what they think the show is at this point, um, and the majority of them agree on a thing that's like, you know, it's a decent sample of whom of your Wednesday night audience. Yeah. Right. So, so that can't be the worst thing in the world. Um, but it, yeah, it is a certainly a, it's a negotiation of, we want to move it forward and we think it's this thing, but also it is development and we are still learning what it is in a lot of ways we're in that stage between all of the readings and drafts and whatever and putting it up on its feet for the first time this summer which is really exciting for us but we need to know those things we don't know until it's up right you, you, when you start a rehearsal process as an actor you learn all the things yeah and we haven't it's crazy to be this many years in and not know uh how it moves yeah. what the, what it actually looks like you know what does it actually feel like when there are 28 bodies on stage and it's so, so big it's so big it's so big um and if you're a regional theater listening we can cut it down um, <laughs> but we can't cut it down by a lot right at the end of the day yeah. it's a big musical and that brings its own set of conversations so yeah, yeah i don't the answer is it is it's all of those things you do yeah. your best to be like i'm pretty sure it's at its heart this type of musical yeah um and that goes internally too right i mean there's uh, there's an original novelist, there's three writers on it, and there's me. Mm -hmm. And then there's also producers and an orchestrator and all the all the people yeah. with all the thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we've talked about, like, when you're in a room, even on, like, a micro level about, like, you know, when you get actor thoughts and everything and, like, being open to incorporating those in that part of the process. But all the thoughts that happen before you even get there. It's a lot to juggle. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I feel like I'm seeing more and more of that, of wanting actor input, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I think that there are ways to optimize that set of conversations that aren't occurring. Um, in How do you mean? Uh, I think, 
the most generous way I can put this is, and, and I and I don't mean that like d- dismissively. It's like truly, truly. I think that there are very good conversations happening about uh, uh, around uh, equity, diver- diversity, and inclusion. Right. Uh-huh. So that's that's a big set of conversations in our field right now, and one of the things that I've I am continually wanting us all to do better <laughs> on. Uh, but especially at the top uh, of our industry, is hiring more folks who uh, aren't white men to write things. I say knowing that I'm working on this Sherlock musical with three white male writers, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, but especially at, at the kind of like Broadway League level and and around that level, they want to tell female stories. They want to tell stories of people of color, but they just aren't, aren't, aren't hiring these people. And I am skeptical sometimes of actor feedback because it very much feels like um a substitution for actually hiring these people um as uh writers (laughs) full stop or or as a as a substitute for actually having collaborators on your team who can speak to the experiences you're creating or writing about Mm -hmm. right um it's I find it tokenizing and I find it frustrating and I say that as like a very white presenting you know very straight presenting queer middle queer Middle Eastern woman like this is uh, I, I did a set of a 29 hour earlier this spring that ha- of a great show that they're thinking about bringing back where there are big race questions in this show and there are big gender questions in this show and they're not hiring anyone else. They mm. just want to hear what all the actors that they're bringing in for the week think about how they should fix it. And mm. it's like, pardon me, think- but like, F you pay me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this yeah. is not... That's, that's, a, that's a consultant's job. Right. Yes, and <laughs> consultants get paid. Exactly. Right. Uh, uh, and also, that comes with its own set of biases. And I watched, in particular, I watched in this 29 hour as like, it just was done badly. You know, it's like, because then you're asking like, and and it's also irresponsible i mean well let me (laughs) i won't use the word irresponsible but like when you're asking the actors involved in a reading of a project whether they have like big issues with it fundamentally but those actors are people who are looking for a job yeah Mm -hmm. how much are they gonna say like yeah i really think you need to like work on this yes because then the fear is that they're not gonna get asked back 100 percent. yeah i feel like Yes. I don't know. There's a conflict there. You are correct. Yeah. Yes. It's a bad way to do it. Yeah. I th- would like to think. So we're, we just started rehearsals for the show Elevator Hearts, which is. I'm so excited about. Me, yeah, too. me too. We're like, what we would like the show to be is like sort of like, hey, this is sort of what it feels like to be a female identifying person. And we've been thinking a lot about wanting it to feel inclusive of many shades of that experience. Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day, it's written by three, you know, cisgender women. And so we've been, like, we, for this iteration, we were like, you know, like, we want there to be a, a trans track in the show and, you know, gender non-conforming track and sort of, like, we, we want to, you know, yeah, paint, represent, we want to have those experiences included. We want to represent them accurately so i think we were attempting to do this thing that you guys are maybe saying it's so easy to do in a bad irresponsible way of like having those people in the room and like trying to make it safe for them to say like what we truly want is for this to feel genuine and not offensive yeah and we 
are open. But like, I don't know. I don't know. And how I to think tell there is a, a very that. like collaborative way to create that safe yes. environment where people do feel comfortable and can share and then do like build something bigger than the sum of the parts because the impulse is not bad the impulse is good yeah also when they asked what it was that night you know hey how is this how is this um i had lots to say i wanted mm-hmm. to say the things to them i also am very uninterested in moving forward with this project so mm-hmm. i was in a unique position that mm-hmm. night that i'm not mm-hmm. frequently in where yeah. i was like mm-hmm. i don't care if you bring me back these are tough tracks for women yeah. right mm-hmm. um and there's a power dynamic there because i think that those people i think of as working at a different level this show's already gone up a lot in new york they mm-hmm. I, even just an age thing i think that they i don't think of them as peers in the same way i might somebody that is our age that i'm working with in new york and I think you can sense a good faith effort. I really do. Yeah. I also think that there are ways to to look at it and say like, is there room in our budget for further remuneration for these folks for the additional yeah. dramaturgy they're doing? Yeah, because it is dramaturgy, and and uh, that is crucial, right? Like, it, but so I also that there think are there's a difference between what you're talking about in a developmental process that's leading towards a production, and what you're talking about, which is the people who are cast for the production that are trying to build the actual mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. because once there's I'm in a, the room, there's is more a of a sense of ownership. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's even, it comes down to numbers, right? Cause if I'm there for a 29 hour, I'm getting paid a hundred dollars, which is, uh, you know, we all know is lousy, but we're doing mm-hmm. in the under, with the understanding that it's possible it lead to more work yeah. and we can always leave for auditions and boo, boo, boo. If I'm in your show, I'm, and this is the big issue with, the point system and the equity strike and all the mm. things that I think that they should be negotiating for beyond the lab is once I'm in rehearsal process for a show, I am contributing to that show. Yeah. So I, it, that's fine. I want to express, I, I just came back from ever after, which is obviously like a very different, yeah. um, uh, different type of show, right? Like it's not like hitting the hard issues. It's a Cinderella story, but there's plenty there, right? There's plenty there for gender. It was, um, an all female creative team, which was so rad um and i play a character in it that throughout different um throughout the various iterations of the show over several years has been it is a is an actor of size typically and there are food jokes and there's a dynamic about body shaming and all Mm. these things and so there was a discussion i'm sure and actually i know because we talked about it before i got into the room about what it means to have an average sized lady who people are body shaming versus somebody like there are people in New York mm. who would not not accept if I walked in and referred to myself as an actor of size like that isn't quite where I am that doesn't mean that I'm the same size as the dancers on stage and that is a visible thing we should all talk about but what does that do to a character who's being body shamed by her mother what does it do if they have me eating in three scenes right yeah. like this is one very specific um, piece of inclusion I think that w- that was a great discussion that I did right or wrong feel more comfortable because it was a group of women talking about it um, and something I know that they're still considering as they move forward with the process but once I'm in the room yeah it's my job to talk about that yeah am I eating a muffin in this scene am I not <laughs> by the way I was eating the muffin <laughs> I demanded more food at all times real <laughs> actual food actual food that has been a wonderful part of my winter is that I had a a full muffin of an act one and I think six cookies in act two. Wow. Which is great until the moment it's not. And that's not great, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it was delightful. It was really delightful. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't know anything about like the physical act of singing, but I would be worried that that would like, like make it harder to sing. Are there crumbs? I feel like baked goods are probably fairly, I'm sure there okay. are people who would tell me no. steer away from like a dry cookie. Yeah. 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 yeah you gotta also, have a moist cookie. It was a, 
on track for me because <laughs> I sang, but not very much. I was really in, and acting. You know, I was a, I was the comedy role. I <laughs> like sang a few things. It was really kind of lovely to be in a musical, which is I feel like where home lives for me. But not necessarily have to go home and steam for a half hour uh-huh. every night and mm-hmm. do the hour warm up and the, the things that I don't do, but I know I should be doing. <laughs> so the guilt didn't follow me around <laughs> for this show. That's interesting. I mean, like I, I feel similarly to you that like I feel at home in a musical, but I also like don't want to have all of the, the heavy demands of the singing on me. Oh yeah. So it's like, the worst. Where, but like, I mean, not the but worst. Then why do we, <laughs> but then why do we feel at home in a musical? You know what I mean? Like, I think because more, I think, for me, I think because more colors are allowed, hmm. I just feel like musical theater, the kind of musical theater I've tended and been lucky enough to do in the last 10 years that I've been doing this are, are um, new work and they're weird and uh, there's a lot, the stories um, get to explore the stranger twistier areas and yeah I just feel like the storytelling is more akin to what I'd want I'd be reading watching and and absorbing on my off hours anyway Mm. in musical theater interesting I feel like you hear the reverse all the time that like you know plays can take such risks but you know musicals have this formula they have to follow which I don't believe at all but yeah, and I think that that is the com. I think that that is the the common thought there. But like, is that true? I haven't seen any plays in the last chunk of time that weren't around a d- dinner table. Huh. Do you know? Like, <laughs> like have, they exist. They, I know they exist. Also, I've been out of New York for six months, so uh-huh. like that's partially why. But like. But I do think that like that shiny idea of the a musical has, is very like rigid and structured, like. There is a dichotomy, or there's a, I think there's a big disparity between, like, the types of musicals that are ending up on Broadway right now and the types of musicals that aren't, mm-hmm. and the types of new work that you're talking about. Are not typically ending up on Broadway right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and that's where I want, I want to go where the weird, colorful, twisty work is, whether it's a play yeah. or a musical, yeah. but it was hard to deny that not having to worry about when's the last time I ate spicy food was like a really lovely part of the winter for me. It was really delightful. Also playing a role where you don't have to dance and you don't have to be in a tiny, I've been involved in development for a really amazing musical that I adore being in um, called Dave. um, That's based on the Kevin Klein movie. Um, it's about a a president and the doppelganger of the U.S. president, and it's um, Tina Landau directing. It's this wonderful, wonderful piece, and I play the mistress of the president. And w- while that's also a very open, inclusive group that loves different body types and things like that, I for sure stripped on stage and then had sex with the president. <laughs> and you do eat differently when you're aware of that <laughs> versus like this show where it's like most people people being like, "Oh, Jacqueline eating cookies again." Like it's that it was a it was interesting for my personal body subtext to become text in a show. Do you feel like, let me ask, like, do you feel like you started eating differently because of what was happening on stage? Or do you feel like because you knew what you had to do on stage, you were eating differently? You know what I mean? Oh, uh, like which came first? You know what I mean? It's hard for it not to be regardless of what the scene is. Cause that scene for me, for me is not at all about, um, it's not about, oh, the hottest woman in the White House walked by and the president had to sleep with her. That scene is about, like, a power dynamic yeah. and somebody who's in love with the president. So at the end of the day, like, she can look like anything, right. which is great. Thank goodness, because mm. they cast me. But um, 
then also, you know, producers are coming and, you mm. know, agents are coming and, you know, reviewers are coming and, you know, you're going to be in in a bra. So there's a little bit of I think I'll have the salad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I it's hard to escape that yeah. as a 30 something woman in this industry or as anybody as in this any industry. Yeah. That's industry, not, that's yeah. very limiting yeah. as anybody in this industry. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's like, you know, I feel like you're people are always talking about, I mean, because it's true how like seeing vulnerability on stage is one of the most exciting things in the world, but like that particular kind of vulnerability that is not really like an emotional theatrical vulnerability, but just like practically speaking. Yep in a way unrelated to this storytelling I'm just exposed here. Yeah. Well, and that was a, that was a fun challenge. It is a fun challenge of a like little step out too, just because she's not supposed to be self-conscious at all in that moment. Mm. She's just very excited to sleeping with the president, which is um, not my subtext. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's a, what does it mean if I, and it, the dress comes off on stage. There's like a high note and then the zipper goes down and it's like, and it's like, here we, here we go. And it's just a little moment. But as a, a, for, for me, me on stage every night it was like the it was a bit of it was the rush right it was mm. the here we go okay well guess we're doing this now um yeah every night the whole time through yes yeah oh yeah it didn't go away at all yeah well because you're yeah 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 because you feel naked every time yeah because you are yeah. <laughs> um it's i mean i i did i my very first professional show i did full nudity oh my gosh um, was his hair yeah and oh but wow it, but like it, the, what most people I think we've talked about this on the podcast but what most people think of it in hair is like the big famous nude scene where everyone's naked at once but yeah. mine it was just me in the <gasps> brightest light cue of the show um, and like there there was literally no sexual element to it at all because sure. it was, I played Claude and so at the end of the show when he dies the okay. idea was like he's standing there naked he's this vulnerable kid yeah that's all he is really um, and uh, I definitely also had I, I've had like body image issues my whole life and I definitely was like feeling feelings about like being naked on stage but I found that like I learned a whole lot about myself by doing it and and like my personal hang-ups and um and uh so I think for me it did sort of diminish as I went along cool yeah I you know (laughs) we weren't open it, it was an out of town right it was a tryout so we were at the end of the day you only do it for four weeks and right i uh, who's to I mean, say if we i, I only did mine for i think it was just three weeks wow wow but then but then also like i was in a small theater in raleigh north carolina and no one i knew came to see it yeah so there wasn't and, and no like industry people i wasn't worried about industry people you know so like who there know, were, you know who knows where that lives yeah but a lot oh, of different funny. factors yeah, yeah for sure for sure. And also I was like very tastefully covered. Like it was mm-hmm. like a, essentially like a corset. You know what I mean? Like it okay. wasn't even like, yeah. oh, here we go. Um, how fascinating. Yeah, you have to bring up. Then that's one of the things I've liked more and more about acting as I get a little older that I was really bad at at 22. Really bad at at 22. I think I was very not castable for the first couple of years that I was here. And it was always like, why? And now I know why, which is that like I wanted to go on stage so I can ignore all the things that made me a vulnerable human on mm. uh, in my life. Mm. And that makes you a bad actor. Right. And the m- older I've gotten, the more it's like, no, you have to bring your vo- you obviously have to bring your vulnerabilities up on stage with you. Yeah. And exploring those things and unpacking those things is is the work to some extent, right. Is like, is the, is the thing that makes it 
uh, resonant and interesting and watchable and and exciting. Yeah. Um, so that was a good one. It was a good one to do. But also, the, I felt. I felt a very similar. Taking the dress off on stage in Dave. And eating the cookies on stage in Ever After were the same moment of panic vulnerability for me, huh. for sure. Uh-huh. Because being, for me, it has to do with my being a woman, but also I'm sure it is universal. The act of eating something on stage when I am like a, like a national American average woman size <laughs> feels like, yep somebody's thinking something right now. Like, and there was a moment where there's a moment where the character's mother like says something very clearly about her weight. Uh And that's a tough moment because I can't act my way out of that. There's no comedy in that moment. Mm -hmm. We would get a laugh almost every night on the weight line and it would always be one person in the audience and it would always be a guy because women would not Mm -hmm. laugh at that line. A mother being like, you're fat Jacqueline, which is not the line, but like essentially (laughs) what that is. A woman is never going to go, ha ever. Right. Like ever, ever. But like one dude every night would be like, that's ridiculous. And of course it's not ridiculous. Right. Like that's, um, and this is a comedy. This is like a light, silly Angelica Houston says it in the movie. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like a fun frothy. And obviously she, she has the happy ending, right? Like she falls in love and all these things. So that was a fun one to examine, but the feeling was identical. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought so too. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, separate from that, they always warmed up the muffin. So it was a real joy of a, of a show to be involved in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember I used to do like stage crew at the Hangar Theater in Ithaca when I was like a kid and we would have just some gross food props that I would always feel bad that people had to down. It's so disgusting. Eating on stage is generally really disgusting. (laughs) Um, And even this was like they did their best, but because the food has to be stored with like things from storage, you know what I mean? I mean, Mm. this muffin came out with four fake muffins. (laughs) You don't want that touching that. And like oh, who's wow. touched it before you put it in your mouth? It, it, food is inherently disgusting on stage. <laughs> um, one of my um, dearest friends, a wonderful actress, um, Tali Friedman, who's out in L.A. now, w- did a show at Arena several years ago. Um, she did the hap- – what's the Happy O'Neill one? Um, oh, hmm. Yeah. All Wilderness. Right. She did All <laughs> Wilderness, which has this like lovely dinner in the middle of it. And I remember her telling me they had to eat um, – they had to eat lobsters like at, the, at a picnic scene and for the first week of previews they put like shredded chicken inside shellacked lobster shells oh, and it was so horrifying and disgusting that they switched it to like bread I think she told me <laughs> like white bread inside shellacked lobster shells but also like nobody's like dishwashing the shellacked lobster right. shells at like the best theaters in the country I just oh, remember thinking man. about that all the time because it was so disgusting wow. <laughs> yeah I definitely did a fringe show where I had to drink yeah I was supposed to like drink some alcohol um dark alcohol yeah and <laughs> so we drank tea and I remember you know the fringe schedule is weird and so we probably had a couple days off in between and like I'd like you know, I'm supposed to like down this shot or whatever. And I remember I did it. I was like, that's definitely the same tea that oh. they brewed from the last time we did this. Ew. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I that was not fun. In college, <sighs> difference between real theater and college theater where there are and aren't, there was this show I stage managed and it was the senior project. For, it was someone's acting senior project and it was the 
Dylan Thomas sort of bio play, which I think is called Dylan. And he, it has a lot of him drinking because that's a lot of his story. And this guy was doing it with alcohol, like just sort of matching it like shot for shot. And at the time I just just like so enamored. I was like, he's so, you know, like method and gosh, she's terrifying. Can you imagine? Also, especially with that, I mean, that's literally what killed Dylan. So that's a bad thing to, right? Like he died from too many shots. That's literally how Dylan Thomas died. That's only in college. Only in college. (laughs) Um, This is only related in terms of ridiculous things we do in college theater, but um, I, the reason I referenced it as a joke thing earlier is I did a production of the maids when I was in college. Cause of course you do like, that's <laughs> when you do the maids is when you're like 19 years old and it was a brilliant director. Um, a gentleman named Jess Burkle, who I think is still working in the city and is fantastic, but it was in this black box at Harvard and it's inside the black box. They built like a smaller chain link box that was like floor to ceiling, chain link so we were in a cage and the cage had a pole and a sofa in the middle so there was pole dancing Mm -hmm. and the floor was a checkerboard and all of the black um box the squares were structural and walkable and all of the white squares were like surprises so like one of them was like white paint that Uh. like you reached into and grab things and one of them was like it was supposed to be flour, but it was obviously baking soda, so we didn't light anything on fi- fire. Huh. Um, that we like threw at each other, and one of them was like a breakaway tile. So the other sister like took my head and like smashed me through the breakaway tile. And then when I came up, there had been water underneath, and it was you just did one this of those in college. Yeah, that's so cool. It was, I know. It was fun, but also, what was it about? Like, what is that? What did that have to do with the mid- at all? It was super fun. <laughs> it was super fun. Um, uh, but the sorts of things that you do in college where nobody's like, should we be walking on a stage that's half non-structural? Mm, well, <laughs> like yeah. that's bad. And we're throwing each other into the chain link. And I remember, I, I think I ch- choked. Uh, I got like dragged across the stage by like an extension cord oh, around boy. my neck at one point. <laughs> and the show ended because I, this is the most college thing ever. I had like spoiler. If you haven't read the maids killed my sister and um, I tipped a TV on its side and crawled up the chain link and pulled all the gels out of the light <gasps> instruments and then like went and like lay on the ground and then end of play. It was so, I mean, it was amazing. It was visually like a lot of fun, but yeah. like, what is the maids about? <laughs> I don't know. I only can tell you about the shit we pulled on stage. Like that's the, and it's fun. Cause you get to do that in college. Cause someone's like, okay, you need three grand for that. Like, all right, like, yeah. here's your white paint budget. Yeah. You know, I wish that's how it worked still. That we all got together once a season and they're like, I'm thinking it's the maids, but more about Madonna and stripping and somebody going like, all right, welcome. Have yeah. fun this season. Yeah. I do miss that atmosphere of college theater yeah, too. Right. And, and it's mostly just, bad, but you, it's great. Yeah. And even just like the density of it. Like I remember like, every single weekend like three new shows were going up at like the three spaces you're just constantly it's never that scarcity feeling of like what am I doing next no never never um and like one very tired very good technical director (laughs) I can can build you a chess I can build you a chess floor like please be careful um and like a hundred actor directors being like what if it was to Madonna you know um hard skills versus soft skills I guess but um, I do. I miss that part of it. I think I, I, in, in many ways, it feels like the stuff that's happening outside of the Broadway community right now f- feels like that a little bit. Like, I think there are exciting things happening in, in the theater world and in the theater community, uh, right now. So I like that that 
part of it is spilling out into pr- the professional world, yeah. which it probably has been doing the whole time. But I feel like <laughs> it. I feel like I'm I'm more aware of it lately, which is exciting. Mm. Stop me if this is like totally. Oh, sorry, I'm no. going sort of off topic. So if you're on topic. Oh no, go for it. This I was going to try and pigeonhole my question to be on topic, but it's not really. Okay. <laughs> Will you remember it? Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, stop me if this is a wrong observation, okay. but it seems like with like with Ever After and with Dave and like, you've been on a lot of things that are sort of like cuspy, like, is this about to come to Broadway? Yeah. And I'm curious how you think about, yeah, like that transition from sort of like fun play world to like, okay, are we on Broadway now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's maybe not the best choice of world to live in for somebody with uh, generalized anxiety disorder, <laughs> but it's, um, it, but I, in, I really enjoy it because I do think that spending more and more time with folks in the commercial theater world has reminded me that like, they're also trying to create cool, exciting theater. And it's just that the constraints look a little different. Um, and the risk level is higher financially and that's why it's tougher and takes longer right um but like for example dave is a warner brothers property warner brothers is producing it it's tina landau directing it's tom kitt and nell benjamin and it's this exciting group of people who are all very fancy who are also like lovely people and artists like i would follow tina to the moon i would follow her to the moon and um so when she says to you take that dress off, you're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. For sure, for sure. But that's been a really, that was the perfect combo of it's Warner Brothers. We're not an indie thing. We're not like one day someone's going to see it. And it, but watching how that, part, how that happens in the room, even from my perspective, and I'm, I'm an actor in it. I have not been privy to any of the, you know, but um, watching how they try to get it financed, how they try to get a, a theater, how they try to shape it has been comforting because it, it actually is the same set of conversations and the same trajectory, no matter if you're Warner brothers or if you're us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, and they're also at the end of the day, just trying to tell a really good story too, which is exciting and nice to see. Cause I think it can start to feel like commercial theater is this and non-commercial theater is this. And I don't, it just hasn't felt like that for me. I, they're, they believe so strongly in this show. It's obviously a political piece. It's it's very much a love story. Um, it's an ode to ge- genuine patriotism and genuine. I think it's a it's an ode to civic duty. This show, which like isn't sexy, but is really lovely and collaborative because it's Tina. There was viewpoints in the room and sitting in a room of people, and anybody was allowed to join in whether they were on the design team or the producing team or, or uh, uh, in the piece, but it was required if you were in the piece, we did viewpoints for two weeks in the room and seeing like Tony winners and then like me, like, and we're all like, all right. And now like, uh, you know, spatial relationship and you all like run to a place and it's like, Oh, this is in service of the thing. This is in service of the story. This isn't just about sexier, more glitter or more whatever. Right even though this is working at the top of what commercial theater, I think is what we think of as commercial theater. Um, so that was exciting. And the same thing with ever after is like, yes, it's a movie property. It's getting done because it's a Cinderella story, but this was a team of people that really believes in a story that isn't about a 16 year old girl and isn't about, um, being saved by a prince, but also it, 
we had um there was a a woman in the in the show who's very conservative parents came to see ever after mm-hmm. and loved it because it's I think it is very possible to love it from all 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 perspectives um politically but said at the end of it that it was about um that very angry girl converting that nice young prince to socialism <laughs> and it was like that's like ultimately what the story is a little bit even though it's the kind of height of commercial theater right so Watching things on the cusp is stressful in the same way that is watching things on the cusp is stressful when we're creating them just ourselves. Uh And there's comfort in that for me that like really everyone's just trying to get a good story on stage. I think I'm sure there are people not, but I've been lucky enough to not be involved in too many of those processes. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's anxious making because you want (laughs) to, you want it to go. You want your, you would love the paycheck. You would love Mm -hmm. the, credit but also like because they're good stories and you want them on stage yeah 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 what were you gonna ask oh well i was gonna ask since we were talking about um college a little bit yeah and i guess i'm curious like because you obviously an actor obviously a director also a writer Mm -hmm. i guess i'm wondering like were you doing all of that in college too or is that sort of like been a journey or it's been a journey yeah um i was a i studied um I was in the Committee on the Study of Religion at Harvard. That was my undergrad degree. Oh. So it was like a religious, like a, a religious history, folk and myth, sociology, social anthro sort of cool. combo degree in religion. It was cool. Yeah. It was really, really fun. I, I loved school. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. I was very lucky and had supportive parents that were like, do whatever you want, but you have to go to a four-year college first my parents weren't college grads and they felt it right I think that they huh. mm-hmm. I didn't know that about your yeah parents. I'm first gen all four uh-huh. of I'm one of four daughters and the rule was like you can do whatever you want but you're going to college first and you're going to f- help figure out a way to pay for it um and so we did the, the we got and we got very lucky and I was too much of a wuss I think to audition for musical theater or for theater school I just wasn't ready yet and I don't think I was ready yet in any number of ways but I also knew I was too scared um, and I got into my dream school academically, which was a total, like, I, I was not, it, it was not a trajectory that was like, yeah, this might happen. It was very surprising, <laughs> very, very surprising. And so I decided to go and spend four years studying something I thought was really cool. And in the midst of it, obviously the American Repertory Theater is there. So you're taking classes, but you're not, you're not majoring in it and you're not spending the majority of your time there. I took some directing classes. I took s- some acting classes. I graduated. I moved here and I started auditioning non-union. I mean, uh-huh. and learned a lot in several years. But it's been a journey. And I didn't want to direct for a long time when I moved here because I was very concerned that people would see that and assume I was giving up the acting thing. And I didn't uh-huh. want that to screw me up. Which has been... Re- I mean, <laughs> I-, I also think it was a slightly different time and I didn't yeah. really know what I was doing or what I was selling. But... It's crazy to me because the directing work has only begotten more acting work and the acting mm-hmm. work has only begotten more directing work for me. Cool. Yeah. It's been it's been a development of the last three or four years and I've it's been really lucky and awesome. It ke- feels like I keep waiting for the universe to be like, all right, time to walk away from acting. Okay, it's time to put this directing thing to bed. And actually, and until they do, I'm not going to stop doing them because yeah. it's fun. It's the fun part yeah. for me. 
I love walking away from the responsibility of directing. Hmm. I love being in the room as an actor now because I'm like, whatever, <laughs> going on break. Like, yeah. this is great. Yeah. What if I ate a cookie in this scene? Like, that's <laughs> wonderful. And when I get too fed up with like, oh, but I do have ideas and I have no power in this room or not enough power in this room. Um, uh, I love going back to the directing projects yeah. and being like, all right, everybody quiet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is not how I direct, I swear. Uh, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> My main thing is getting the guys to shut up. <laughs> the main thing is getting everyone to listen to you all yeah. the time. <laughs> I'm always, I'm just always curious about how these different like artistic identities, you know, coexist in one person. And it sounds like for you, they're just like bolstering each other. Yeah. yeah oh, that's for sure. Awesome. That part's been fun. I also feel like there's more space. This is such bullshit. I don't know if this is true. It has felt to me like there is more space in um, the theater world, certainly, but our industry in general for people who do more than one, lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think when I moved here, people were saying, oh, you have to create your own work. But I always thought of that as related to like create your own work so people can notice you and you can be a more high profile actor, which I had Hmm. no interest. I was like that, then it's going to be about like, look at me. And I just didn't find that engaging. I didn't enjoy other people's art about that. I Hmm. didn't think I had anything of interest. And it was when I was like, well, okay, what would the directing work look like if it had nothing to do with me that it's, I started realizing that that was very exciting to me. And then it started helping the acting stuff. And it's like, great. Okay, great. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot about that thing of like actors need to make their own work, and I'm starting to. I don't know. I for a long time I was like, okay, that means what? What that means is I have to write something for me to be in. Right. But I don't think that's necessarily what that means to make mm. your own work. No, 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 no. Like, and I'm starting to wonder if like making my own work is less about like. Because actors are interpretive artists, right? Yeah. And like writers are like generative artists, right? So like, I'm not a generative artist. I'm an interpretive artist. So like telling me to like write something isn't useful for me, but like maybe it isn't making in the sense of like generating something, but maybe it's making it in the sense of like making it happen, like making a thing happen. For sure. Well, and that collaborative art can lead to things as well. Like, I I mean, it's, it is, is that the exact definition of devised art? Like, no, but like that getting in a room with people to devise the thing yeah. can allow you to interpret as people are generating. Yeah. And like, then you're a creator. Like nobody's going to be like, well, technically you were interpreting. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, then you're creating cool, interesting work. Right. Also, I do. But think I'm still like in my lane of where I feel like I do good work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Plus you're getting to do the thing, which is yeah. always enjoyable. Always, always a plus. Always a plus <laughs> um, to get in the room. Yeah. Are you... You've been acting since you got here. Yeah. 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 It's tiring, right? (laughs) Like, it's really tiring. Well, I mean, but like, it hasn't, what's tiring for me is that it hasn't been consistent. Like, the tiring parts are the parts in the middle when I'm like, will I ever do it again? Yeah. Yeah. That's the exhausting part for me is like, wondering if I'm delusional. Yes. That like, this is a viable path for me. One of my favorite things in the last couple of years is, been as I've gotten to work on more of this commercial stuff getting to work with people that I grew up like really uh, uh, loving loving yeah. loving mm-hmm. big fans of yeah and sometimes they lead by direct like speaking to the thing I'm concerned about and sometimes they lead by example or counter example and I, I feel like I say this all the time when I'm teaching but I sometimes meeting the people who are working seven levels above you and realizing that they're very frustrated about like, will I ever work again can be really good. Oh yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, 
I gotta find happy now because it's exactly. for sure not seven rungs up the ladder. Right. It's not there. Right. Um, even in magic school. Yes, even in <laughs> magic school. It's it all comes back to the magicians. Um, it all comes back to the magicians. It really it it that's a good thing to see. It's like yeah. oh, there are happy people and unhappy people in this industry, and I suspect it has nothing to do with how frequently they're working. Right. Has been um, really good for me to see because I do think I spent like six, eight years thinking as I'm working consistently the happiness will find me um and that's not it's it's not true nor helpful um right at all so it's been good to find the happy and other stuff and I think that that's where the directing stuff actually came out of I think it came out mm -hmm. of like oh the happy's over there too great great yeah that's awesome yeah cool I also think it's a little bit of money where my mouth is because I do spend a lot of time <laughs> bothering people about EDI and about like inclusivity and about getting people on teams who don't look, think or act like you. And it's easier to affect change by just creating new projects with yeah. new people. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so that's been a big part of what I wanted, what I've been trying to work on and what I hope to continue working on as I'm moving forward to the next, whatever the thing is. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Neat. This is a total pivot, but I feel like, you are a good example of something that we sometimes talk about on here about like social media and how what you put out there does or doesn't feel connected to like your career. Just because oh. you give a very, very good Facebook. Thank you. Hey, that's nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you just want me to speak on yeah. that? Yeah. I, I, it feels like it for me is, um, connected to a broader chip on my shoulder I have about being anti anti-technology <laughs> I think that mm. I'm um I one of my kind of pet peeves and it's on I know it's an unpopular position and I don't mean to yuck people's yum which is also a big thing for me but um I think one of the silliest parts of like kind of cliche contemporary culture is like look up like, look up from your phone. Like, <laughs> there are people around us. And it's like, my phone has th my dearest loved ones in the world that I can see via video at any time of day if they're in Antarctica. Yeah. It also has the collected knowledge of the universe on it. <laughs> and it has Candy Crush. Like, stop telling me to look up from my phone. Um, stop it. Uh, and I do think that there's, like, obviously that's the, like, pushy example. Like, there are important times to put down your phone. I certainly could learn from that sometimes as well. <laughs> but, like, the idea that I'm supposed to be wandering around the city, like, experiencing life so I can connect with the people around me feels... Um, vapid and incorrect yeah, and, and like, also gendered mm. oh really oh yeah it feels so connected to smile more it oh, feels shit. well and i don't think that's huh. why people do it but i think it's like look at those kids over there and i right. frequently think it like involves like girls trying to get likes on instagram and it's like mm. yeah who, who cares like that's connection uh, do i think yeah. it's the only type of connection we need do i think it should happen at, no do i think it should happen in moderation yes but like i think it's yeah. uh, i also think like it, this isn't the first time like I was thinking recently I was like on the subway and looking around and everyone was on their phones and I was like oh my god we're all on our phones and then I was like 
Yeah, and a hundred years ago, everyone was on the subway reading their newspapers. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, like, um, a, a friend of my family did her dissertation on essentially how we have never made strong social connection in public spaces, yeah. in public spheres. And I think about it all of the time when people are like, that's how you met people. It's like, it's not how you met people. Yeah. That's never how we've met people. That's never how we formed bonds. Um, there's no value to it. And in fact, suggesting that there is value to it and shaming others for not participating in that suggests that being out in a public space means that uh, I owe you something of my time and attention, right. which I think frequently is gendered, but in general is just kind of harmful and untrue. Yeah. Um, I only once went on a date with someone I met on the subway and it wasn't that good. Oh, well see, <laughs> there you go. Then we, we are all correct. No, but of, of, of course I think that that is, uh, but so social media for me feels like an extension of that where I'm like, this is our day. I love going on Instagram. I really do. I'm a visual person. I love that I can see what people are up to. I'm okay that it looks like a prettier, more technicolor version of what everybody's day is. Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Musical Musicals are a more technical version of, like, people's trials and tribulations, and I do them for a living. I, I know it's not the case, and I'm sure that there's arguments to be made about what how that affects people's brains, especially when we're kiddos and as kids come of age in, in a more technological age than even we did sure and that's for somebody else to argue but I think kind of like this general like look up is to me feels beside the point I love the connect connectivity and yeah. I love the um the stimulation and the and the fun and the relaxation that you can get from having the knowledge of the universe in your pocket um and so social media for me feels like an extension of that and I don't know how good I am at it. No, but that it, makes but sense. But hearing the fact that like it's something that you really enjoy and doesn't feel like an obligation but feels like this great like network and entertainment, that to me then makes so much sense about why you're so good at it. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. Well, and I also, you try to be... Uh, uh, you try to be... Well, <laughs> brands are something people talk about a lot, like being on brand. And uh -huh. like I feel like I winky discuss my brand all the time and firmly believe that my brand online to be discussions of my falling and hurting myself <laughs> or um angry feministing at people <laughs> or like screwing something up or being panicky or anxious right and it's like those aren't like a sexier version of who I am like that's one of the ways I deal with my anxiety is like hey this thing happened today and then having 68 people be like yeah that's the worst is like great then we're all anxious we're doing fine kids yeah. like we're doing okay um is certainly one of the ways it's also like there's plenty of he healthy narcissism involved I'm sure of it I know it <laughs> But I, I do. I like going on Instagram stories and seeing what people are up to for the day. And so I do. And there has been value since I did um, Heather's, which was a show that really did. I mean, there was a social media clause in our contract about participating with interacting with fans. And a lot of those kids were young. They were like younger than we were. And we were a very young cast. We were in our early 20s, most of us. But the, ki the kids who loved the show were 14, 15 at the time. And um seeing how they interacted online seeing how that helped our show is something that stuck with me for yeah. sure was the clause like around please do engage or like when you're engaging don't do these inappropriate things the former for us although oh. i know that for if you work like at a company like disney or something that that shifts to the latter huh. um but for us it was i mean it was a like please stay on brand but when your brand is heathers there's very <laughs> little that's off limits uh -huh. <laughs> um i love that show so much i also love that show so much i'm very grateful to it um i'm very grateful 
to to that experience it taught me a lot it was my first eight a week in new york city and it showed me what you do to be an actor and be a healthy person and we got to do a lot of the cool firsts like we did broadway and bryant park and when we were on the nasdaq bell and all the things that make you you're like i'm famous and then you're out of work and you're like oh this is important to learn as well um yeah full full stop speaking of heathers a little bit it reminds me of i feel like Lawrence O'Keefe is one of the sort of like writer relationships I think of with you where like it's someone you work with a lot and seem to have like a sort of a mind meld with. Does that feel, does that feel like it was like a big shape on your career and how you think about things? Larry and his wife, Nell, um, who is an extraordinary writer in her own right, um, uh, have been very kind in employing me over the last several years. But beyond that, also... Um, supporting me emotionally and just gen- just genuinely expressing that they believe I am good at this. And while that's a no, no, while that's no guarantee for anybody, like it's enough. It's enough if you're willing to stick with the lifestyle and you want it. Um, uh, and also, when I first moved here, they were alums. That's very they're very much the reason I decided to give this a shot. Huh. Very very much. Um, I showed up to an arts orientation program my first week at school thinking I was going to study politics, which is directly because I was so obsessed with the West Wing and for no other reason. <laughs> it's a great um, show. And I was in a master class that Larry gave on like s- s- singing and songwriting. I don't know what, actually what the master class was about. And then afterwards, um, I was hanging out with him and some of the other teachers. Um, and they asked if I was planning on going into this for a living. And I was like, I mean, um, I'm at Harvard. I think I'm going to do something else. And they were like, well, we all went to Harvard and we do this for a living and we're fine. <laughs> and it really was a light bulb. And I felt like, oh, it was so, t- what a dumb way to decide that. But I was like <laughs> sitting at ice cream being like, oh, then I'll just do this. <laughs> Great. And so I did four years and studied something completely different. And then was like, and then I'll move to New York and start, start auditioning, which is the sort of plan you would only craft when you were 18. But like, luckily it worked it like didn't work out right away but like luckily was fine like that was the plan I like briefly took the LSATs like a couple different times and then was like I don't want to do law school (laughs) which I've since done in my 20s a couple different times and then be like I don't want to do law school um it's always fun to hear what everyone's secret backup job is I I fully applied and got into a, a program that I was very excited about last year right before I booked a show and then was like can I defer and they were like yeah and then this year I called back and I was like can I defer one more time and they were like no that's not how this works (laughs) and I was like okay I guess I'm not going to law school then um yeah 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 and it again didn't feel like a I didn't feel like I was walking away from acting it just felt like I wanted to with the directing it's like everybody who does this is a smart person with a lot of different passions and goals and uh things that they want to do, I think, to help or to be of service. And I was feeling like I wanted to explore one other one. Yeah. But then I booked a show. (laughs) (laughs) So for at least for now, I'm going to stick with this stuff. That's all, Rob. 